I was raised in a very Puritan home, a prohibitionist home, a very repressive home. The prostitute is someone who would love you no matter who you are, what you look like. That's not why you pay a prostitute. No, you don't pay for her to stay. You pay her to leave afterward. Welcome to Last Man on Earth. My name is Lex Jurgen. As always, I'm flanked by Matt Ralston. Matt's been out for a while with that nasty bug that's been going around. No, not COVID, but you can get it from somebody who isn't properly covering their orifice. Uh, do you I still? I don't think that's how condoms work, is it? Uh, yeah, isn't it? I don't know. I've been married for a long time. I don't know. I mean, people. Here's the funny thing about COVID: like people don't. People like always like you should get vaccinated. You should do this part and wear your mask and stuff like that. I grew up in San Francisco where guys would literally not put on a condom when having sex, even though they're going to die. Right, like that was that was a proposition. Was like they had, you know, they still do on on, on sunset stuff. The the bulletin boards like wear a condom, or you could die. But like literally in San Francisco, people were literally dying like every day. Like you knew three guys that week who died, but dudes would still not put a condom on to have. I never understood that. <laughs> it seems even if you wanted the the risk or something, it, it still seems like it would ruin the experience. It's like that's why I don't really smoke cigarettes because you know while I'm ha- smoking a cigarette, I'm like, oh, this could give me cancer. Yeah, and that's not even close to as dangerous as barebacking uh, <laughs> a dude in a bathhouse in, in traps when there's an eighty percent eighty percent HIV rate. Yeah, what are you doing, man? I know, but it's like it's a very holy. There's a very holier than I mean, because I grew up in San Francisco at that time, and I like just watch people die because they wanted to bareback. That I have a different view of like everyone's just, I just put on a, people just put on a mask or just get vaccinated. It's so easy. I'm like, yeah, but like people are thinking like I'm not going to get sick. But if you're actually barebacking a dude in a bathhouse in San Francisco, there was like a 50-50 chance you were going to die if you didn't wear a condom, and they still didn't wear condoms. They still didn't wear condoms. Maybe so, it's just really good. Uh, it could be. I haven't done that before, so I don't know how <laughs> the difference is. But the point is, I think like 25-year-old guys are just death-thrilled, stupid idiots. They just don't, they're not going to, you know, you're not going to get them to care about dying, right? Even when the percentage of the chance of dying is really high, they just don't, especially when it comes to sex or any sort of compulsive behavior, they don't care. No. I I remember during COVID, like when it first hit, they were doing the lockdowns, and everyone was freaking out to a degree because it was just such a new thing and so much uncertainty. And walking down on the beach around around Santa Monica, and there's a group of college guys, college-age guys, Playing beer pong, yes, which is so filthy, <laughs> right? Uh, even in non-pandemic <laughs> times, I mean, you got a cup of water, yeah, you're grabbing it in your hand, throwing it, drinking it out of a cup, putting it back in. You wash it in a cup of water, <laughs> and uh, oh god, so yeah, that's just how the. Uh, oh, yeah, you can't stop college. You can't stop. I, I uh, you can't stop college kids from party or young people from partying. They don't care literally if they're going to die. I mean, there's there's some people who are freaked out by it. But those are the people that never went out to party anyhow. So I don't think you can literally tell college-age kids anything to not have sex and drink that would actually get them to stop, to stop having sex and drinking. 
No. There's like not like ninety percent chance you die. I'd be like fuck it, ten percent. Let's do it, man. I'm gonna be in that ten percent. So, you know, versus I mean, you've seen this before, I'm sure, with COVID. Like old people are like scared to death of like you know, and then and a lot of anxious moms and stuff like that. Like literally think the minute they leave the house, they're gonna die. And then you have the dichotomy, like you said, the college kids are just like. Fuck it, I'm just going to go to a rager with 500 people, no mask, and I think 80 people here have COVID. I don't give a shit. So, yeah, and they probably shouldn't because they're not going to die. But now, the whole philosophy is, as we're aware, is that you know, other people are vulnerable. The, the idea that you're going to have a, a public health response that re- allow, relies on young guys saving old people is not a good one. Well, it would be almost like saying, uh, you know, if you get HIV, you're fine. You'll have no symptoms. You'll just give it to everyone else, yes, and they they may die. So, I guess that's kind of the analogy we're going with. People are young people are selfish. That's true. But you know what? Who else is selfish? Old people. Very selfish people. It's true. <laughs> they really don't. They really. I remember that guy like came out. Uh, God, what was he? He was some t- Texas official, older guy, like in his seventies. And he's like, when COVID first came out, and they were starting to shut down and stuff. He's like, look, this is a disease that affects old people. I'm in my seventies. I don't want to die from COVID. I'll take some reasonable precautions. But I don't want you, like, my kids and grandkids being locked in their house forever to save my life, you know. And everyone called him, like, a ra- you know, crazy, you know, radical, born again, whatever he was, like, you know, believe- Christ believer, whatever. Like, that was so crazy. I'm like, that's not actually how old people all used to think. <laughs> like, right. They all, always used to say, like, we're doing this for our kids or our grandkids. We'll, we're sacrificed, all this stuff like that. And now old people are kind of like... No, fuck it. Everyone stays inside. <laughs> like we're canceling football season. We're canceling school. All this shit because we old people gotta we gotta live we gotta live. I wonder if Carnival Cruise Lines tried because this would work out very well for them. Just like anyone that's anti-vax and real committed to not getting it, just come on this ship and we'll take it out to sea. Yeah, and you'll all be carousing in a filthy pool and. uh can you mentioned how many germs you get on a on a. I mean, before COVID, it, everyone seemed to have every sh- every tenth ship seemed to be plagued by like intestinal bacteria outbreaks, where like there was like diarrhea in the in the hallways. And yeah, stuff. it would just be a ghost ship within <laughs> you know two or three weeks. Well, that was my plan for my sports teams was they would all get have a party where they all get COVID before the season, so they wouldn't have to get COVID during the season. Although it mm. seems like Lamar Jackson gets COVID like every week. <laughs> he's had it like nine, he's had it like nine times now. Yeah, when that happens. Because I got vaccinated and I, I, I'm not too worried about getting it, but it's often it's like, what were you doing? Like, did you get vaccinated and immediately go put your face in a stripper's butthole? Are you asking me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm wor- I'm I, I'm not worried about COVID. I'm uh, but from strippers' buttholes, there's so many other things I'd be worried. There's so many things I'd be worried about. Right. So I think honestly, I think most of this is like very basic hygiene questions. Um, which is just, you know, mitigate. I was talking to somebody else yesterday, a medical professional. He's like, the, the, even the medical professional community has lost all sense of like, uh, of nuance, of like middle ground. Like, it's either like, you're going to die, anything you do, you're going to die, or nothing's going to kill, or nothing's going to kill me. Whereas no one has the, the ability, the gray area, this thing saying like, okay, I'm not going to go to a rave with 300, 300 dudes who probably aren't, you know, vaccinated. But I will go outside to the park and play with my kids. Right. Like, like there's like one is like eight thousand times more dangerous than the other, but everyone treats them exactly the same because there's this either zero tolerance policy or anti whatever, like where you have to protest every every possible hygienic practice, mm-hmm. and, and nobody's actually done an actual rational risk assessment, which is like basically you can keep yourself ninety nine percent protected by doing very little. 
right? And nobody pushes that line. Uh, this week's show is sponsored by the WNBA playoffs. Did you know that WNBA playoffs are taking place? I heard that, like some news source I was watching felt obligated to mention it. I think what it is is they ha- oh it was NPR so that makes sense. Yes, but they they talk a big about crossover, it, uh, big crossover fan base. Yeah, well, what they do is they they talk about um, the Lakers' upcoming season, or especially they'll just say real quick the Dodgers score because it's right. getting into October, and then they they're like shit. We have to say w- that the Sparks played the. <laughs> wigwams or whatever the hell is going on. So we're not really fans, but when your marketing budget is $11, you can only afford shows like Last Man on Earth. Everybody watch the NBA playoffs on ESPN because it's good to be the first one. Uh, like Literally, so they do, ESPN is bound by contract and the NBA is bound by their moral whatever responsibility to the WNBA to promote it as if it's a real sport that people care about. But literally, if, if 300,000 people are watching on TV and like, you know, uh, I don't know, 2,000 people attend in person. How many people on social media are actively engaging in WNBA discussions? Because ESPN is posting shit every day, and all you ever see is... I mean, the only response are people making fun of it, obviously. <laughs> but like, literally, how many WNBA fans could there be on Instagram or on Twitter or on Facebook? It can't be more than like 20 people. It's really got to be the smallest minority of people. And, and a lot of it's forced, too. Like, a lot of the... Kind of feminist, you know, JUCO women's studies professors, they'll go just to support it, but it's like a charity, you know, Yeah, it, which the whole organization is. It's an elaborate PR stunt for the NBA. They lose money on it. It's a weird commercial that they're doing for girls. Yeah, and I, which is fine, but then they keep pushing the content, like they keep pushing the content in the promos and the rappers. And then there was this article, some female sports writer wrote an article about how like, she really broke down. She said, like, the reason people aren't watching the WMA playoffs because they're not in good time slots or on the right ESPN channels. And if only there's this argument, if only it was promoted like football's promoted, then the audience would be much, much bigger. To well, which- it's already losing a lot of money. So I would say throwing millions more dollars behind the promotion, which is, you know, tens, hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars for like the NFL. That would not be very responsible. I think there's some argument, like so they put they put if you watch ESPN, you know, they put like cornhole, <laughs> they put cornhole championships on. That's fun to watch. First of all, every cornhole competition is a championship. I've noticed there's no <laughs> like playoffs or early rounds of cornholing. It's always a champ. It's always a championship, but it's on constantly. The championships are on constantly every week. Right. So I think they have 52 weeks of championships. How did they specifically design that weird jersey for cornhole? <laughs> it's like know. a bizarre. It's like a hockey <laughs> straight jacket. It's kind of like we want you to like. You're generally young, it's generally like twenty young guys, but they're also fat. So you have to you have to build the uniform for like a chubby guy, but also look sporting, right? Which I think is very difficult to difficult to do. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Kind of like why fat guys wear the hockey jersey, but it can't be just flowing. It has to be. Um, it, it's almost well. It's the reason why baseball has baseball's always had loose uniforms mm-hmm. because the guys have always been fat, right? So they don't wear they don't want to wear tight like they're never going to go to like spandex uniforms in baseball because like thirty percent, forty percent of the guys are just badly overweight, and so it just would be, look really the bad. The cornhole guys in, in even in baseball jerseys, it would just look like uh, we got to change the channel. Like this is, <laughs> yes. these are like homeless guys. <laughs> I think they are. Someone's going to come and serve a paternity suit. They're off from Iowa State. They're all graduates of Iowa State, as far as I can tell. Um, but but I think they're getting back. I think there is a point to the fact that like, cornhole will get a certain number because on the real ESPN, like when there's like football and all the other channels, they'll put cornhole on. So probably it gets some overinflated number just because on the ESPN major channel, like in the middle of Sunday afternoon. 
So I guess you could say if WNBA playoffs was just shown on the major ESPN, like in the middle of whatever, it would get higher numbers just because people don't change the fucking channel because mm-hmm. they just they have ESPN on their bookmark and they just go to ESPN. But that you know that could be anything. That's not an argument for like more people would want to watch it. It's just more people would eyeball it because they're half dead and they're in their lazy boy. It doesn't mean they actively. <laughs> it's like Blue Bloods on CBS. They found that like forty percent of people watch it are sleeping. <laughs> Like, yeah, that was the old Jay Leno ratings thing. Is that old people would watch the news, yeah, and fall, fall asleep, asleep and <laughs> keep Jay keep Jay Leno on. But I don't think that's true because you know I try not to be biased, and I I do I'm like a big basketball fan. But when cornhole comes on, or or the uh, I especially like the lumberjack competition. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, but I watch that because it's a novelty, and I watch it for a minute. But when the WNBA is on, I'm just like. Yeah, it's just kind of depressing, and I I just don't want to watch it. It's um, I've watched I, I forced myself to watch five minutes the other day just to like remind myself why I don't like watching it. Um, it's just the whole thing about basketball is I will only watch like top flight. I don't, I'm not going to go by the park and watch even really good ex basketball players play basketball. You probably would. No, but I'm not going to like you know if I see like or even that that was that Ice Cube League the three whatever it was with the forty year old guys. Yeah, I'm not watching that. Like I want to see people. At the peak of their, you know, profession, like the, I want to see the top hundred NBA players, uh, basketball players, in the entire world competing. Even that, like a regular season NBA game, could be boring half the time too. Yeah, but at least there's like, I mean, you're going to see Steph Curry, or you're going to see yeah, LeBron. They're like thousands of times better than these. The best women athletes don't play basketball. I mean, yeah, like if you're over six four, like I'm sure you do, but you're also <laughs> really uncoordinated and you tear your knee every time you run down the. You're right. Court. It'd be like watching. It'd be like watching a third tier, fourth tier NBA league, like a G League below G League game, which I'm not going to watch either. If it's guys, I'm not watching like the 800th best NBA ball player in the world play the 850th best ball player. I want to see like guys who are like top 10, top 20 in the whole world of their skill set. Even if it's a boring game, that's still fun to watch. So I don't want to see the bounce pass followed by the lay- followed by the layup and the set shot with the small ball. It's just it's just you're not getting me into so it. So much falling over. <laughs> there's a lot of how are you falling over? The there's time? a lot of falling over and a lot of jumping off of two feet. They seem to be jumping off two feet. <laughs> the one foot thing seems to uh, elude the ladies. Uh, don't forget to become a patron of the show on patreon.com forward slash last man earth. Thanks to all our new patrons. Get on this shit now before it disappears. If you wish to contact the show, hit us up on Twitter at Last Man Podcast or on Facebook. Also, Last Men Podcast. All right, on to the show. Uh, Matt, before we get started today, I want to dedicate uh, today's show to JJ. His name is Joseph. He goes by JJ. Uh, sadly, uh, JJ's father, Joe, who is also Joe Jr., passed away recently. I understand Joe Jr., his father, was an amazing barbecue artist. Brings me back many memories of my time spent in Georgia living off nothing but barbecue cigars and whiskey. I'd like to add women to that list, but unfortunately that didn't really exist for me so much as the whiskey, barbecue, and cigars. JJ, this show's for you. I hope you enjoy it. All right, Matt. Emily Radajkowski. By the way, she uh, she's super hot. Can we admit she's super hot? She's also a feminist. Do you remember when Emily? So she she got her start being a nude model, which is fine. And by the way, if you have a if you're a nude model, you have to have this oddly an obligatory story about being molested as a child. <laughs> like, yeah. Which, I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you ever worked with nude models before. 
But uh, it's really fun until you learn about their backstory about being molested a lot as a child. And then you just feel really bad that you feel it makes How many nude models are there? Like, there's porn stars. There's a lot. And then there's models. Well, like, look at OnlyFans. Look at all that, sh- all that softcore stuff. Mm-hmm. It's still a big deal. I love when OnlyFans announced they weren't going to do porn. They weren't going to allow porn anymore. Just nudity, which was like, that's what 80%, 90% of it is, I think, just from a quick survey. <laughs> like the, all the Bella Thorns, these Disney kids, actors who are going on OnlyThorns making like $2 million, mm-hmm. they're not doing hardcore porn. Uh, not yet. <laughs> if they were to go somewhere else, they're just doing like bikini stripping kind of thing, which they're still allowing. So uh, the, the, the girls who do the hardcore porn, I'm sure some of them make money, but that's low rent. That's you know you could find that anywhere. Um, there are a lot of new models. I work with a, work with a lot, and it's all fun. Everyone's giggly and stuff like that. And then you read like on their like whatever account how all their childhood trauma molestation stories, and then you don't want to work with them anymore because it's just kind of awkward. Because it's hard to feel like oh so. A guy who looked a lot like me, about the same age as me, used to molest you as a child. <laughs> All right, let's get let's get you naked and start doing some let's do some photo work. It's yeah. just hard not to feel like a creep. It's hard not to feel like horrible about being a man and a creep at that point. Well, it's almost unprofessional. You know, keep that to yourself. If we're doing some kind of sexualized thing, you know, that's going to ruin the vibe a little bit. Uh, yeah, I feel the same way about football players and their sad, sad backstory. <laughs> their sad backstory. I'll re- I'll root for a guy, any guy who's uh, a football player, who's, I mean, this is almost, almost all of them, who didn't know their dad, and they found their dad was in prison, and their dad came back when they became a star, or their dad beat their mom. I'll see these stories, and I get really moved by them, and then I'll root for that football player for the longest time. And then I'll realize it's every single football, it's every single football player. Like, yeah. There's, a, there's like, Najee Harris' story was, like, amazing, and you know, with the, you know, the Foster and all this stuff like that. And it's great. And then you go, like, oh, I love Najee Harris. And then you realize, wait, this guy, too, and this guy, too. Like, every single... And then you realize their entire neighborhood is made up of those people. <laughs> yes. And just no one knows who they are because they're 5'11". Yeah. And then I just realized That's it's just depressing. poor sort of black people in the South just all have really everywhere. I just have really... Historically bad, bad, rough upbringings. So I'm rooting for I'm rooting for all of them. And then I realize that a lot of them just end up being their wives and their girlfriends and stuff. And there's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of uh, domestic abuse and murder cases this year with NFL players. Like it's on the rise. It's on the rise a little bit. Right. Which one will go? So Emily Rodzikowski. Let's get back to the hot girl. She was. You remember the blurred lines video with Robin Thicke and uh, what's his face, a skinny dude. Uh, Pharrell, Pharrell. Yeah. And they got. I remember the whole thing. I remember about it was one that. So I had at that point I had seen her. Emily Rodzikowski naked eight million times. It, for, she'd done nude modeling for like at least five years before that video. So when everyone talked about how controversial the video was, and she was naked, and she is super hot, uh, that's great. But I, you know, people like my Dave Otay's like myself had seen her a million times naked already, so it wasn't that shocking. Uh, but what was more shocking was the fact they just ripped off Marvin Gaye. <laughs> they just ripped off Marvin Gaye's song <laughs> completely. Yeah. <laughs> Not only the first time you heard, everybody heard it. Who knew who Marvin Gaye was? Are like, wait, isn't that isn't that Marvin Gaye? I Gay's didn't song? know the Marvin Gaye song, and I, for a, a kind of crappy pop song, I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good, you know, not knowing it was uh, ripped off. And then I was like, wow, I love that this is kind of mainstream, and this girl's amazing boobs are in the video. Yep. Uh, so I thought it was pretty cool at the time. I didn't know that she would start talking. You're an enabler, dude. You're definitely an enabler. Well, she did because she became. A feminist during the, uh, I don't know if you remember, it was during the 2006 like, women's rights, after Trump got elected, they had those huge million women marches in the mall where like Madonna was screaming about abortion and, you know, every Deborah Messing is out there on the mall, like giving, you know, because you need Hollywood celebrities to address 
the normal people in this country to tell him how to think. She wore this. She was out there, I think, with Lena Dunham, who is legitimately a feminist activist because she's so fat and unattractive. So, which I think are the bona fides, the bona fides. And next to her is Emily Rajakowski, who's wearing like a women's empowerment shirt, but it's like cropped shirt, which she has no bra on. Her boobs are sticking out. She's like in hot pants. She's like in hot shorts or whatever, like protesting the women's right movement. Clearly, knowing she's going to be photographed. And so every single photograph was like trying to like X out Lena Dunham and put her into the activist, the activist photos. So, but it worked out because she married some some uh, old money guy in Hollywood. Uh, who's a works in film, and so now she's writing. Now she's writing a book about herself, and now she's come out with. Of course, since she's writing a book, like Amy Schumer and everybody else, there has to, every book has to talk about the time that they were molested or raped as a, a younger person or a teenager. You literally, if you're an uninteresting woman, like I think like the former UN ambassador Jean Kirkpatrick started out with her biography, but like when I was 17, men used to, <laughs> men used to grope me in high school. Uh, yeah, she, it's kind of. Even if it happened, as far as a reading experience, it's pretty cliched at this point. I think it's cliche, and also, I, I, look, I'm not downplaying the fact that, like, I, whatever, it's like 80% of women report being molested by the time they're 18 by somebody, right? So, first of all, it's like every woman. And second of all, I think women who are, and again, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I think women who are highly accomplished feel like that detracts from their accomplishments. Like, I don't want to talk about, like, say, you know, even Hillary Clinton, whatever, some famous woman who's famous for semi-real accomplishments or done a lot of things in her life or the CEO of some company, doesn't want to talk about the guy when she was 15 behind the bleachers who like forcibly felt her up or something like that because then she's going to realize that's where all the PR is going to go and where all the conversations are going to go when she wants to talk about all the shit she did in her life. So I, I get not wanting to be bogged down by that. But if you're Emily Rajakowski, who you and I only know for being a, a nude model, and actually, you saw her in the Ben Affleck movie the other night in Gone Girl. Mm. She plays that. She That's plays right. girl he has sex with on couch. <laughs> like, that, was, that was her. Like that was her. That was her big movie breakthrough. Girl, good casting. Hot girl who takes her top off to have sex with Ben Affleck on couch. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because her entire uh, shtick, all she's known for is being sexual having boobs basically yeah. is the entire thing and it's to a, a lesser extent being yeah. annoying um but including the this groping and and molestation thing not victim blaming whatsoever but you're also just it's still like sexual in nature like it's like this is your entire thing is that you uh are an attractive woman that people want to grope and i'm not excusing that but yeah it it does kind of detract from you trying to write a book and act like you're you know really serious about things. Well, so here, so look, we don't, we don't have the women's point of view on this. So as usual, we have to discuss the women's point of view, and I have to discuss the women's point of view. Like, so the question is: so she's naked on the set. The whole movie is called Blurred Lines, which is, uh, as far as I remember, was about the line, the blurry lines between gro- groping and not groping, right. or sexuali- over-sexualizing women or not sexualizing women, having a naked woman on the set. It wasn't really a feminist video of saying this is wrong. It was more about, like, how do guys react to this, and what are those lines, you know, what are those blurred lines. What are those lines between, like, dancing with a hot chick with her boobs hanging out, and then also groping, <laughs> and groping her, mm-hmm. which every guy who's dancing with her wants to do, and most don't because they're semi-polite, but a lot do, and they're all thinking about it. So the question I had was, and again, I don't. Robin Thicke may be the biggest loser in the entire world. I have no idea. Um, 
He seems to be a loser. Yeah. I mean, and by loser, I mean he was married to a super hot actress. He dumped the actress to have sex with a masseuse, and then he moved on to a 19-year-old hot model after that. So when I say loser, I'm also kind of jealous. <laughs> like, like, in the context of loser is that he's made a shit ton of money by wearing, like, silk vests on stage and crooning half-bad songs and making millions of dollars and having sex with lots of hot young models. So in that sense, he's a loser. <laughs> he's a loser. Right. But he did that thing with Miley at the MTV Awards where he was, uh, you know, dry humping her from behind. Not potentially cost him his marriage. He did marry this, like, knock up this 19-year-old model when he was, like, 40, which I think is still, you know, uh, the knocking up part's bad. Um, and he just, and he is on that Mash Singer show, which seems to be the dumbest fucking show ever in the history of TV shows. So mm. that's all I'm judging it by. I know his father, Alan Thicke, was, like, the nicest guy in the entire world. Everybody, like, beloved guy. So the question to you is like, and, and there are reports on from the set from now. Of course, people coming out saying, "Yeah, I remember he groped her, and there was an issue, and she cried, or he had to be admonished by someone on set, and stuff like that." For it, so there seem to be some witnesses to what happened. But the bigger question is, and we talked about that with with porn before, with the women who do porn, they accuse the guy who's actually having sex with them during the porn shoot of sexual assault because they did something that wasn't on the list or wasn't approved ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So here's my question, like. At what level do we ex- do we excuse the dude for being gropey slash putting putting his dick in the, in the wrong hole in a porn shoot? It's like that. At what point does that become actual assault? Versus, and again, I want to take this from perspective. Of, we only have the guy's perspective here. Of like, if if you're dancing with a girl in a music video and you're supposed to be almost touching her, and the music video is about groping and she's topless, and then you start putting your hands on her boobs. How bad is how bad is that in your pantheon of bad, Matt? I don't know. What is the blur? What is the blurred line? What is that line? I'm sure that he was doing coke, you know, in the dressing room, and she knew what she was. Are you working up a defense, legal defense? Because <laughs> that's not a good one. Like I haven't seen the video in a while, but from what I remember, they they're kind of they're touching. They're grinding in the video. They're yeah. grinding on yep. each other. Um, if there's a cut, she's standing there with her boobs out. He walks up. I'm picturing he he walks up behind her and cups them uh, like with his junk against her ass. Yeah. That's really creepy. It is. Uh, I mean, I don't think he was motorboating her like on the set. <laughs> he was like, you know, I don't know. It's like, I think he was like going, I think my, my, my understanding would be like, he's like, how would this look? You know, on that. Right. And he starts grabbing her boobs. Well, like, was it clear they weren't rolling? It's This was not like a... A real big production. I'm sure they spent some money, but it's oh, mostly yeah. just they turn the camera on and they're dancing around with each other. So there's always when they do shoots like that and the model gets naked. You know, you always say clear the clear the set. You know, they want to clear the set. Right. That's when everybody shows up. That's when every guy who has any access to the studio has finds the janitor finds a reason to they have to fix something in the back. Like they're all everyone's <laughs> aware of when the hot girl's going to get naked. And, and, and I, I'm assuming the woman knows this, like, it's happening. Because also there's, like, 30 guys I've never seen before. Like, yeah, I'm supposed to be here fixing this. Uh, i got to paint this wall here all of a sudden, whatever it is. I don't think that chick even cares. She probably showed up more naked than she was in the video. But uh, it's, a la- it's a latter day. It seems like he may have been trying to get a candid shot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or he's just a sc- But it's... Why would he feel the need to grope her? He's essentially been groping her probably for hours, you know, during the course of the shoot. Yeah, I feel like that's sort of a uh, the, the 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 perv side of all men feel like that's an un, uh, you know a question you don't need to ask. Why does he feel like groping her? 
But, you know, I mean, can you imagine being on set with, you know, grinding her for six hours? Like, she's, she's not wearing any clothes. And then you're like, oh, man, like, you kind of like. You she know. was so hot at the time that it's still, it wouldn't get old. No. Because she looked really good. No. And, so, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to separate the uh, holier than that, not be holier than that and say, like, this is always wrong. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do it because uh, I think I have that amount of self-control. But like you said, if he's on drugs and he's also Robin Thicke, who's all these women are throwing themselves at the time, you know, these celebrities have a different sense of entitlement only because they have 8,000 chicks trying to have sex with them every night. And so they, you know, I can see how that could warp your, your perception that like every woman wants to like, you know, be with me. Um, so she's not going to care if I grab her tits because, you know, it's a story. She's going to tell her friends, Robin Thicke, grab my tits. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's the director who was a woman also said she witnessed it uh, as a director i think maybe part of your thing is you make it clear what's acceptable or <laughs> yes, not like, when there's naked people around uh, we're not gonna have any today is a no sexual assault day i just want everyone said no today there'll well, be no even at that time if you did like uh west like an hbo show and there was a bunch of nudity the director would they would have a, a whole, you know, person dedicated to saying, it, it, "Here's it, what you intimacy, can." Intimacy, an intimacy uh, advisor, whatever the hell it was called. Yeah, this is what you can and can't do. I don't know if that happened, but I, I was inclined to not believe her at all. But then the director said it happened, so then I was like, "Okay, I believe her." Uh, I believe I believe her, but I think it's like I wonder what actually, like I wonder what actually went down. Like you know, we done we've done these stories for the porn stars who claim that they were like. They didn't agree to like being slapped, or they didn't agree to like being anal, or whatever else it was. And it just it, the scene took off, and they started. Some guy started, you know, pounding them, and they're like, "That was sexual assault. That wasn't work." And I'm like, "It's such a fine line when you're doing when you're paid to have sex on camera, and you're doing like hardcore this, hardcore that, but that hardcore this is not allowed." Um, you know, unless like someone's yelling "stop" and the guy's not stopping, it's a little different. But like in a video. You know, it just first of all, they're all on drugs, <laughs> so that's one thing. But then, then, latter these are latter day conversions where, like, now I'm a wife and a mom, or about to be a mom, whatever it is. I'm a feminist icon in my mind, so now I have to go back and say, This happened, this is my moment, this happened, this was like my incident that happened, and this was what eight years ago now. And so, there's also that latter day thing with okay, it's been eight years, why didn't you raise a stink about this before? And there's a whole power dynamics, and I get that with Weinstein and stuff like that. like you know, literally you would never work again. Like Gwyneth Paltrow says she would like would not work again if she brought out her Weinstein allegations, which I don't know if that's true or not. But I get being threatened by your boss um, when you are just a nude model making whatever you're making, trying to get more naked videos for 50 grand a pop or 100 grand a pop. So, But this is also pretty weak in terms of allegations go. I'm not condoning it whatsoever. It's not cool. But Matt Ralston that said happened, that... Uh, <laughs> you've, been dan you've had your tits out for the last eight hours. You know, I mean, and and people are touching them. So it's not good. I, I don't condone it, but it's also... Could this really damage you that much at that point? It's a fine line, I think, because like in the 1950s, everyone would have said, you know, the old 1950s rape trial... Like, the sex worker, anyone can grab the sex worker anytime they want, right? Because she's a sex worker, she's a piece of meat, whatever. So, like, she's a, a prostitute. So anyone can just grab her tits anytime they want to, or a stripper. And now we've evolved, I think, to a different place <laughs> where we realize only creepy guys do that. But then also the non-creepy guys are like kind of like, look, if you don't want the creepy guys doing that, you probably shouldn't be doing this, right? Because, you know, we've changed our culturally, but we haven't changed 
mankind. We haven't changed, you know, evolved in 50 years out of millions of years of guys' instinct, which is to be pervy and gross and to grab, <laughs> to grab, to grab women's boobs. So at some point, like, what is that, not responsibility level, but what is that, like, if you're in that line of work, you know, prostitutes are always, always there's always these stories from these feminist papers about pro- people don't realize how, many pro- how often prostitutes are sexually assaulted. I'm like, no, I would imagine they're sexually assaulted all the time. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's a horrible fucking business to be in. You don't want to do that. I don't think we can in ten thousand years. I don't think we can stop that from happening. Yeah, I'm. It's it's hard to know the level of professional. Like, let's say you had to work with a porn star. Um, like if only, a, if only, Matt Stormy Daniels yeah, uh, type no. of yeah, yeah. chick. And you know, you might think, well, uh, let's don't say anything. Don't make any passes at her yeah. because. Uh, you know, she's a professional, and that happens all the time. Well, the thing is, if you made a pass at her, she would immediately blow you in the bathroom. Yes. So why would you be discouraged from doing that? Yeah, gotta... If that's what you wanted to do, why you'd want to do that with her, I have no idea. But um, Well, you've never been president of the United States before. Because <laughs> uh, but, but, but you start mo- thinking about, like, I almost feel like most, all dudes that go to strip clubs are creeps. Because the the thing is, yes, it's a creepy place. what it says like on the front door is you can't do anything. You can't touch them. Yeah. And so you'd only go there if you were a fucking creep or a loser. But the thing is that everyone knows once you go into the champagne room, you can have sex with any yes. of them for any number of $100 bills. <laughs> so there's a disconnect in, in the reality versus the narrative of these things. Most guys, if you look, if you look at a lot of these guys as animals, you'd understand this a lot better. <laughs> like those are just bad ideas. <laughs> and uh, do you see the movie go? Do you remember the movie go? Yeah. The coverage of like how the guy told him not to touch the girls at the strip club. That scene was just remarkable because you knew by the end, the guy was going to touch the girl mm-hmm. because the guys just can't control themselves. <laughs> so just a way, a ticking clock waiting for the guy. Then they get beat his ass. Like they're just waiting. It's almost like a, it's almost like an entrapment setup. You're like, you tell the guys you can't touch the girls. The girls get an inch away from them naked, dancing around, sexualizing. Like you say, you go in the back room, have sex, and the guy just puts a finger on her, and then all the bouncers beat the crap out of him. Yeah. Like it's it's a really weird entrapment. <laughs> entrapment. They do dynamic. have a lot of power because exactly they can touch you, but you can't touch them. But yet, I don't know. I don't have any personal experience, but what. Well, I do, but I've never had sex with a stripper, thank God. Um, but keep trying, Matt. Keep trying. One of the <laughs> no, trying. no, just not not interested. No, but uh, you know, half of them will. You could touch them, and nothing would happen. The other half will have you thrown in jail. So. And they and they touch you. But I'm not a stripper. like I've worked with uh, you know Playboy models in the past. Girls like imagine like a young Kendra Wilkinson, right? When she was 18, before she moved into the the Playboy match. We're gonna talk about Playboy in a minute. Um, but they are very sexual. They are very well, like they're just because to get ahead in the business, they're very sexual. They p- play this character of the sexualized. They might be, but the sexualized young woman, and so they will go around and touch guys constantly, like in every room they're in. They will giggle, put their hands on the shoulders, sometimes put their hands on their crotches or other places, because they want to be the center of sexual attention, and that's how they get ahead in the business. So it becomes very, very, very awkward for guys in those situations, because here's not you're not even a strip club. You're in like a business meeting or like a entertainment business meeting. And here's this woman half dressed who's like touching everybody. And then you're not allowed to, you know, you can't even say anything inappropriate. You can't do anything inappropriate. It's a very, it's unnatural. It's unnatural. I mean, the old days, I think it was just, you know, it was the, the, the guys all just took advantage of the woman. <laughs> now you're not allowed to. So me too is complicated. So that's just all I'm trying to say. <laughs>
Uh, Matt, I want to talk about Playboy since I mentioned Playboy. Uh, when's the last time you opened a Playboy magazine? No, uh, it's been a while. I looked at a few of the retro photo spreads the other day for some reason. Uh, Demi Moore, gigantic bush. Yeah. Not into it, but uh, yeah, was I was just kind of curious the level they were going with back then. Uh, uh, you mean you were doing a bush, a bush uh, research project or just in general? No, I just wanted to see like how much classier the porn was compared to now. Uh, well, it was uh, it's still airbrushed. It was really heavily airbrushed, obviously, in the old days. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it was a, the, I think the, the airbrushing is the same. It's just the tools were very amateurish back then, so it was extremely obvious that everything was glossed over with like an airbrush. Mm-hmm. Like every woman looked like she was like, uh, it was weird. It was oddly weird the dynamics of what the woman's body looked like. Like the skin didn't really look like skin; it was more like a plasticine, plasticine stuff. Mm-hmm. Like they they took out every imperfection, but to the point that it looked like all the skin and body was fake. Like even in Hustler, like their vagina would be like uh, someone just took a highlighter to it. Yeah, there was there was. A, I worked at the Hustler building for a long time, and I met the the women. It was all women and all lesbian women who worked on Hustler. And you can imagine. I mean, you have to. And they they did stuff like that. They spent all day, like you know, doctoring up vaginas. <laughs> that was like their job. And they were all very angry, which seems to me very upsetting because I thought the dream of like a lesbian would be to like doctor up vaginas all day long. But apparently, that's just like you know. I can imagine a gay dude just doing like a thousand airbrushing a thousand dicks a day, just like tired of dick. <laughs> I think that's what they were just. It's it was, it was like their like... passion. They turned your passion into their pain. Yeah, it's like a guy that gets into gynecology because yes. he likes girls. Yes, it doesn't work out. After patient never, uh, the first hot patient walks in, you might be excited. Then some older fat lady walks in, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm changing professions. Yeah. So Playboy has been slowly since Hefner died. He's dead. I think they. I don't know if they did entombed him or cryogenically saved him. I remember like they sold the Playboy Mansion when he was still alive, and the deal was you, they couldn't kick him out till he was actually dead. So I just imagine they turned the heat off until he, like, you know, he was all senile at that point. <laughs> he was just, like, up in the attic, and they heard, like, the footsteps stop moving around. He's they like realized... the king in Braveheart, just up on a parapet, yes. uh, rotting away of yes. syphilis. Well, it was, like, they want, they want the family, the family wanted to sell the mansion to make, raise money, but he was still technically alive. And so they couldn't sell, under the, whatever the edict was, they couldn't sell it until he was dead. So they sold it, and the, the, you know the provision was you had to, you couldn't move in or knock the house down. They're tearing it down, I think, rebuilding it uh, until he died. So I imagine they just did all those things like a bad landlord does, where they turn the heat off and the power off. And like he's like eighty eight, dotting around. They took all the women away, all the assistants. Yeah, but you know you'd be floating in the pool one day and having a good old time, and look up and you'd just be in, in the window <laughs> yes. staring. Yes, horrible. Um, so Playboy's been disintegrating for the last 10 years since Cooper, Cooper the son, took over. I don't remember. He, I think his, his daughter used to run Playboy for a while. Like She was like the high-powered. I wish she lesbian. I can't remember. Christy, Christy Hefner or whatever ran it for a while. But she ran it like he did. She ran it very cutthroat. It was always amazing because they had the first female CEO of Playboy, and all she did was like take advantage of women. Um, but then somehow Cooper, the, the, the new son, the, the, the Gen X son, not Gen X, the uh, millennial son took over, and decided that he was going to turn it into this like very postmodern, me too, sort of culturally uh, uh, culturally modern feminist magazine. For some reason, they started putting like transsexual, transgender on the thing. We we're going to do the first transgender models. We we're going to do male models. And now this week they're doing. There was the non-nude they did for a week or the two. The non. We're not going to do nudes for a while. And like, I feel like he's like he got a girlfriend who told him everything he should be doing with the magazine. I think he's the dumb son. Oh, he's totally like yeah. the uh, 
uh, you know, the Lakers. Uh, bu- like bus? Yeah. Like bu- the bus kid that was an idiot for Yeah. A while. Like they wouldn't let the girl, the daughter who knew everything run the thing and they had to let the, the, the idiots not do it. He made all the bad deals and they lost like. They didn't go to the playoffs for like six years in a row. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't care. Um, so now this, now they've got a now they've just gone straight. They got a gay guy in a openly gay guy in a bunny costume, uh, doing the classic bunny pose, but a, you know, half nude male guy on the magazine cover. It's very not provocative. I don't think it's. I don't know who. It's hard to tell who. I mean, clearly the traditional Playboy audience is not the audience any longer. I don't know if. Gay men would read Playboy to see a guy like in a bunny, see a guy in a bunny costume. Like I don't know that gay men are going to start reading Playboy. I don't wasn't know. There already isn't Playgirl. Doesn't that still exist? Matt, Which... you know the answer to that. Stop, stop, pretend, stop <laughs> pretending. There was a Playgirl for a while, right? There was like there was Naked Men. Yeah, maybe it's not a thing anymore. I don't think. I, I, yeah, that's, that's like a memory of childhood. That's a memory of childhood. Like when they had when they go to the magazine stand, they had the brown wrappers around like the nude magazines. Yes. So you have to peek. In, I had to peek into the brown wrappers to see which magazine it was, and then it was like, "Oh no, Playgirl, Playgirl! What the hell I is this?" I still see them. The corner store by my house. They have a big rack of them, and for some reason, they sell them three to a pop now. Oh, where you live, I imagine it's all Playgirl. It's all Playgirl style magazines. Uh, no, no, no. A it's gay. a lot of no. It's not gay. It's it's just straight. You know, there's like a shelf of them, and I said to the worker, "Does anyone ever buy these?" And he was like, "Yeah, people buy them all the time." Yeah, and I'm like. It's it's uh, it's weird when you find out like you know it's uh, I did this the other day like I looked up cigarette smoking statistics, and like because you don't we're in LA you almost never see people smoking cigarettes you love vaping and other stuff but you almost never see like dudes whipping out cigarettes maybe at the, at the clubs you go to outside of the back but like generally you don't especially younger people you just don't see anyone smoking any more cigarettes, and but it's still a huge sale in the it's United like States. twenty five thirty percent of people right it's still yeah it's I mean it's down for sure in the U S and it's down way down areas where we like in the coastal cities. But it's still a $50 billion a year business just in the U.S. alone. It's a trillion dollars worldwide. So smoking hasn't really ceased very <laughs> Cigarettes hasn't really ceased very much. And most of the people who aren't smoking are now vaping. So it just changed, it just changed a different thing. Um, so I'm not surprised to learn that like, there's weird people who are still buying Playboy magazine. But now I wonder, like, now there's a gay dude in a bunny costume on the cover. Like, what is the point, outside of like, hating your father, can you put yourself in Cooper Hefner's shoes, outside of hating your father... And the fact that he didn't love you enough as a child, and all he cared about was his titty magazine. What would drive you to want to destroy a magazine, a franchise, in this particular fashion? Not like shutting it down, saying I'm going to cash out, take all the money, sell it off to some Russian investors who are going to use it for clickbait or whatever. Who cares? But like, actually keep it running, but destroy the core meaning, message, and beauty of what the magazine was. You're actively, like, actively destroying it. I don't know, because I can't imagine running a, a business this poorly I, maybe he's just very gullible it's almost like he takes every tweet seriously and you know swears to uh do justice to the to the like the feminist troll or something but what but like what is like driving him to like what he could have sold the business for several hundred million or whatever and taken the scraps there's always chinese there's always these chinese companies that will buy i remember doing playboy deals back in the day Playboy has a big meaning internationally, very much less in the U.S., but like in China, it's still like a big thing. In certain places, Asia, the Playboy name still means like dudes with hot girls, whatever. So they still license stuff like that. They could sell it to somebody for some amount of money, but instead he's kept it and just slowly slowly destroyed it, and it almost feels like it's intentional at the old man. I can see like, this is it, old man. I'm taking you down the magazine that you love more than me. Like, now I'm going to put a gay dude on the cover. I, I... 
I don't know. I I think he probably looks at like uh oh Wonder Woman is uh very successful. It's a female superhero and he he looks at all this gender bending stuff yeah. and he's like, "Well, this is our, our ticket to the trend. future." Yeah. Um and it's it's like, no, I mean, this is known for boobs. It used to be known kind of for journalism, too. But yeah, that Playboy had great... Playboy was, uh, interesting enough, I, the Playboy from the past, they won more in like the 70s, 80s, and the 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever. They won more food and culinary awards, journalism, than any other magazine in the country. Um, they had this like food, food and culinary section that was like the best in the country, better than like Bon Appetit or all the... Food mag, food and wine magazines, and they also had the, like were one of the top for automobile auto reviews, and then also the jazz, the the, the music and the jazz stuff they did. There was he was Hefner was really connected to the jazz scene, so they had like Wynton Marsalis interviews all the time and other stuff like that. They had tremendous, but that's been gone for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah, but I mean at one point it was not just nudity. It was it was. I mean, it was a joke was you would skip through the articles to see the pictures. Right. But the articles were tremendous. It was like on par with Rolling Stone. Well, that's pretty and, smart because they paid good journalists so then yes. you could buy it. And, yes. you know, guys probably would read the articles and jerk off to the pictures. It was all the stuff guys like. So it was, I don't know where the food came in, but it was cars, it was music, it was other stuff. And it was supposed to be classy, quote unquote, classy gentlemen's magazine. It was called Gentlemen's Magazines. Yeah. So it was supposed to be for sophisticated guys. So they did like reviews of brandy and different high end liquors. So they did reviews of high end car, you know, por- which Porsche model is, a, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was aspirational, but it was always guys, all the guys were in suit and ties and every average, you know, everything like that. So it wasn't like a rednecky type of thing. It was an urbane, sophisticated thing. Um, but of course, it's sold on the fact that they had often celebrities like Marilyn Monroe, other people naked on the, you know, the magazine. Um, but now that's all gone. So I don't know that you could turn this into like a gender bending, me too, on trend, uh, uh, you know, gender neutral, non-binary, polyamorous, you know, like lifestyle magazine. First of all, there aren't any. <laughs> so there's that. So there's that that are successful. Um, everything you see now in that area is like niche activist trend stuff. You know, people follow you know, like Mother Jones or something like that, you know. It's a very it's a very ardent, and they pay money for it, but it's a very small crowd. Um, so you don't think he just hates his dad? His dead dad, his dead dad who never loved him? No, I think he's just misreading the room pretty hard. Yeah. And I think it's also like he goes out with his friends in Hollywood, and they're all, you know, millennials, and they all go, they're all very modern and sophisticated. And so he doesn't want to be the crude guy who runs a nudie magazine. Right. So he's willing to lose millions of dollars to keep up this image of being like a sort of progressive, you know, progressive uh, avant-garde guy, um, which is just fucking stupid. It just bothers me so much. I feel, now I feel bad for Hugh Hefner, who I never felt bad for my entire life. His legacy is totally ruined. His legacy is ruined by his own child. There is a very sort of Greek tragic feeling to that whole thing, which is the guy spent 60 years of his life building this empire and his son, you know, the the, the 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 loser son takes over, and not only does he just cash out, which is one thing. Okay, cash out, take the money, and destroy, and sell it off. He actively remains on for years to slowly, to slowly destroy. And they it. look exactly alike. Yeah. So you have, it's like I don't know who who would I rather hang out with? A guy that was somewhat self made, although boogery, crusty, creepy, wearing pajamas. Um, kind of rapey and watching Bill Cosby uh, sperm on women's toes <laughs> yeah and just making the models live at his house and uh, on one hand I'm sure a lot of people envied him there's that guy or the trust fundy 
incompetent yes pussy guy i guess i'm gonna go with hugh hefner on this i side. gotta go with hugh hefner just like uh i mean i want to say I, I called robin thick a loser earlier for for making millions of dollars and having sex with young models <laughs> so i feel kind of i feel kind of warped but yeah hugh hefner built a he actually built a bit he's just a guy from chicago built a business uh he hustled constantly you can disagree with what his business was uh but and there was no there was never any specific allegations against him for rape or sexual assault or stuff like that. He definitely hung around with creepy guys and sort of encouraged that behavior. But it was more about, you know, in that time and place of drinking and having hot women around and, you know, opportunistic models who were having sex with the, sex with the Well, guys. I think to become one of the one of the ones that lived, one of his three girlfriends or whatever, yep. you had to have sex with them. Well, Matt, have you ever owned a mansion before? <laughs> have, you ever, have you owned a mansion before and had, like, a bunch of barely legal girls show up looking for free rent. <laughs> just no, but I heard the mansion was all just stains on all the <laughs> yes. carpet, jizz on every curtain. I'd rather have a smaller place and keep it nice and tidy. It was weird because I went to a party there for a, like a brand, a tequila brand or some, whatever it was once, and they rent out. You know, they rent out. You couldn't go in the house. They would use the house for the catering. The catering people could be in the house, but they just rented the backyard with the grotto and the pool and the. Weird animals they had in the background, in the backyard. Um, it was actually a much less impressive yard than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. It was only like maybe two acres, three acres. A lot smaller. Like, you know, the Playboy Grotto, the cave, and the thing looks really huge. But just a pebble tech pool. <laughs> just a sort of a pebble tech pool you see in everybody's house in the valley. Yeah. With a the, with the, with the little cave with a little cave feature. They well, that was because I went there like, oh, man, I don't know, 12, 13, 12 years ago. Yeah. And it was just as this transition of like, oh, I'm going to the Playboy Mansion. I should tell everyone. Or am I a huge dork because I'm telling everyone that I'm going to the Playboy Mansion? It's not cool anymore. It wasn't cool anymore. It was kind of cool because, and then you have this, and and they also have, so the the Playboy, the idea was like, I thought you were going to get Playboy models as like servers and hostesses. And they had a few scattered about. But it was like the D list. It was kind of like the D list, like, like yeah. not the girls who were in the cover on the magazine cover. Like double as a gardener. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah like like the, exactly. Um, have you ever been to Jumbo's Clown Room Strip Club in L.A.? Yes. Like where the waitresses actually just get up and start start stripping. <laughs> that <laughs> place is amazing. <laughs> that is like it's the only. Even twenty years ago, it was the only remaining no cover charge strip bar in all of Los Angeles. Wow. And and, and by the way, beers were like three dollars. So oh, it wasn't man. like they were making money up elsewhere. That place has some character for sure. And anyone can strip. You could be fat or really hot. It was doesn't I, matter. I'm telling you, literally one time the lady brought it was like a three guys. She brought four like Miller Light Star table or something for dollars each. And then we asked her, like, you know, maybe bring some more, you know. And then she's like, she goes, Can you guys hang out a second? She puts her tray down. And like client hops up on the stage and starts taking your clothes off with like to Aerosmith or whatever. It's like how is this the cheapest bar in Hollywood and features naked women at the same time? Yeah, who also bring you also bring you brilliant. So I I I, I'm assuming the girls got a raise when they raised minimum wage. I don't know what happened. Granted, they weren't very good looking women. Although the waitress was you know okay. I mean I don't know she's naked. We gotta tell her put her clothes. That's what I kind of liked about it. I mean I it's just kind of you get what you get. Maybe you luck out. You know it's like fishing. It's the same exact. I have I call it the supercuts principle. Same reason I get my hair cut at supercuts, because although it's not with COVID, it's not as cheap as it used to be. But I always used to get like nine dollar haircuts at supercuts, and I thought like. If they fuck it up, you get a bad haircut. You're like, fuck! It was nine bucks, man. Like, like I don't, right. I can't lose. Like, I literally can't lose. If it's a good haircut, you're like, 
guess what I got for nine bucks? And if it sucks, you're like, I know, it's like a nine bucks. What are we gonna do? Like, yeah, that's jumbos. Like, you can't leave, you can't criticize anything that goes on there because you're involved in such a cheap, cheap penny any process. Yeah, worst case scenario, you got a two dollar Budweiser. You got two dollar Budweiser, and you paid zero dollars to see a fat girl naked. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't complain about that. So I want to leave the Playboy thing. It's making me depressed. I just wonder if this is a bigger cultural, if there is some cultural significance, zeitgeist significance to the fact that like uh, millennial men have become so pussified and so, det- I mean, I'm talking about the, the influencers, the cultural makers, the guys who own magazines, you know, people that have some relative power in this media society have become so bought into, you know, this uh, sort of scaredness about being, you know, uh, any sexually aggressive towards women in any way, even with print magazine that we're just going to never see a Playboy magazine again. Like, we're just never going to... Not even from corporate bigwigs, just because every 32-year-old guy is so desperately scared of being called uh, uh, anti-women or misogynist, or especially after Me Too, being lumped in with those people, Mm -hmm. that they're going to go the opposite direction. Just like, I own Playboy, and I'm still going to destroy it, even though I'm losing money myself. Yeah, well, as media diversifies, it's like you have unlimited porn. Oh, thank God. And you could, if you really want to read The New Yorker, I don't see why they have to be combined at this point. (laughs) Uh, Matt, I want to talk about women's soccer. I think that's your favorite sport now, isn't it? So It's better than men's soccer. I love learning about women's sports leagues that I didn't know existed before. So, and the only time you learn about it is when there's a sex scandal. When they, well, I, Megan Rapinoe brought the gender pay gap scandal, whatever that is, to light. That's when I first learned there was a professional women's soccer league. Because I literally didn't know. I knew about the Women's World Cup and the, the U.S. women's team complaining about stuff. Mm-hmm. But I did not realize there's actually also women's soccer, uh, women's soccer league, which is just crazy. Because, you know, I've seen the photos. There's nobody in the stands. I can't believe anyone's watching. The max salary, by the way, they raised the max salary. <laughs> there was a big announcement in the NWSL, I think is what it's called, to $48,000 a year. Mm. Uh, but only like one person's getting like one or two people get it. The average salary is like twenty grand a year. For the so league. it's not like uh, the women's Olympic system where the, they're more popular than the, the men's? No, no. And it's a completely, it's a completely, the, the, women, the whole U.S. Olympic thing and the women's team, men's team thing, we've had that discussion before. It's very nuanced and very complicated. Fuck. Plus that Megan Rapinoe convinced them all to take the bad contract. Yeah, it's not that complicated, but uh, well, I mean, they they win more and they get more press and attention, but the actual men's game technically sells more, makes more money. So, and the TV company, yeah, the women went with more insurance, more stability. Yeah, but I mean, the whole their argument over their their fifty thousand foot level argument is that like more people are interested in women's soccer than are men's soccer, and the women's so- U.S. women's soccer team than the men's soccer team, which by the way has sucked for like thirty years. And the women's soccer team wins goals routinely. So they're right in the fact there is a bigger fan base for U.S. women's soccer, the, the official team, than men's soccer, largely because the men suck. Um, but they're wrong about the fact that it generates more revenue. It doesn't generate more revenue. Right. Um, it's very, sim- very, very similar. But this NWSL, which I don't even know what it stands for, so I'm going to guess. National Women's Soccer League. Dude, come on. <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> so there's apparently a team called The Courage. Oh. So, so there's a team called Pride, and there's a team called Courage. So apparently, I, I, I don't know all the team names, so I'm not going to guess, but it looks like they just picked empowering female words. And just instead of like the NBA, remember when they were in the jerseys last year with the, like the empowering words on the back? Yeah. Co-education or whatever it was, equity or whatever. They just went ahead and made the team names that. <laughs> they just went ahead and like, 
What do women aspire to? We want to be strong and powerful and courage. Let's just make those the team names. Let's just go with, let's just go, we're not bears or hawks. If it was a men's sport, they would be ridiculed constantly just for having those kind of corny names. Although, when you think about it, a, a pride is what? A, a pack of lions and a courage is a pack of some other animal. Yeah, I don't know if that's where they're going with this. I think they're going with the fact that they're courageous and the fact that they're proud to be women's, women's, uh, women athletes. I'm just trying to give them an out. <laughs> it's just like, you know. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't seen the logos. I don't know if the team logos are a woman looking really strong and powerful. Like The pride is like a woman looking in the distance really powerfully or not. I don't know. But uh, I don't know if you've read this, but there's been a sex scandal on the is it Charlotte? Carolina Courage or Carolina Pride, one of the teams. And um, so, by the way, if you're le- if the league average salary is twenty grand a year, either either all the women are being incredibly ripped off, like like prostitutes from 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 a pimp, or the league is making zero <laughs> making zero zero dollars. If your entire league payroll is under a million dollars for the entire league, it's not a very lucrative or, vi- <laughs> or viable league. That's just not. I think the NBA is at four billion now. As a, as, a, as a for instance, doesn't sound too viable now. No, but what they did was, of course, since it's, it's Megan Rapinoe and the women's soccer, was they hired all. They tried to hire almost all women, and there's a female commissioner. And apparently, the guy, the coach of the Courage, was. It's hard to understand when, when women talk about sexual whatever happened, because there's never any specific details about what happened. There's never like we all we all know what rape is. We all know what sexual assault is, but this is like sexual coercion, sexual harassment. Which I think means the male coach of the team had sex with or dated some of the players, mm. and I think the players said they felt like they had to, the women had to who were involved. So I think that's a sexual coercion, and I get, I, I understand legally why that you can't do it in the workplace at all. So I'm not denying the fact there's a legal case there, but in terms of like they sort of lump stuff under, under sexual assault, and I remember like being even back in the college days, going to a very uppity liberal arts college, they defined sexual assault included verbal name calling right so like if somebody called the girl a bitch it was lumped under sexual assault mm-hmm. so it was a very broad <laughs> it's a very broad based term like dude he gets got charged with sexual assault what do you do uh he yelled bitch across the camp across the campus at somebody like because it's like gender specific because gender specific right well they would call it they called it sexual assault underneath it said to include physical and verbal assault like well that's a small little that's a you know, verbal assault is a small little footnote under sexual assault, but we also agree constitutionally that you're actually allowed to call people any name you want. And sexual assault uh, seems like someone has to be making physical contact to sexually assault someone. Legally, yeah, criminally speaking, yes. I mean, actually, you're well. There's new hate speech laws, like, but you're actually constitutionally allowed to like call people names, right? Hmm. You can do that. You can you, know, you can't like chase them down to their apartment and yell in their window. You can't threaten them. You can't threaten them. You can't trespass. You can't harass, repeat, like, uh, constantly harass them, like, personally, like, pick some woman you hate, just yell at her, go to her apartment every day and scream at her. You know, the police are going to get involved. But you're allowed to yell, bitch, right? <laughs> if, if some girl says, like, it was, it was like some guy yelled, shut up, you know, you're making too much noise, and then some guy yells back, shut up, bitch, and they're like, sexual assault. Okay. Like, okay. So I don't know what it was, but apparently he was taking advantage of his position as coach of the team. And uh, I'm assuming the girls who make, you know, 1800 bucks a month are a little less empowered than, say, Kyrie Irving in terms you of... You got to wonder if he took this job just to get laid. Uh, I would wonder that about any guy who coaches women's <laughs> sports. Although, I haven't seen... I, I'm going to say this. The only soccer player I can name is Megan Rapinoe. So I, I would say no to that question. Like, Why you, would they not... They're all, as soon as I know, they're almost all lesbians. Well, yeah, and they're obviously going for this empowerment 
branding thing. So why not have a female coach? Well, even, I think there's just there's you know plenty of people that could do it. I guess. I mean, what's it like? UConn coach, basketball coach, always been a guy. Women's basketball coach. There are still male, sort of like these heroic, you know, girl dad male coaches who are seen as like father figures who still managed to coach for like forty years in women's sports. But right. yeah, I think you're setting but yourself. But that was up. a long time ago. It's like how the NBA is having yeah, transitioning to having a lot of black coaches um, because I think that's like who the players are more willing to listen to and respect maybe if they played. I guess. Is it, is it possible that the job of the head coach of the Carolina Courage doesn't pay very much? <laughs> it's not a, not a big sought-after well, gig. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't even think this league is so much about the competition as it is like the image that they're – like we play soccer. We're called pride. Um, I'm sure it's rife with all kinds of political messaging. Yeah. So why not just go for the women coach? Well, I think they're going to. So they went for the women. They went for the woman commissioner, and it turned out I don't remember her name because I'm refusing to learn anyone's name is in the NWSL. That the they got a female commissioner to make sure there's no Goodell like letting domestic abuse pass, or you know, no David Stern or whatever is going to let basketball players have like seven baby mamas, or whatever. And it turned out that the female commissioner knew all about this and did do it. Did tell the girls to shut up. So like, here's a question, like. As we're seeing more and more women take positions of power in corporate and sports, everything else like that, there seems to be a very familiar pattern that we saw with men in charge, which is that largely the women are in it for the buck. They don't want to create waves. They want to keep their jobs. They want to do whatever else. And so whether it be male or female employees, they're kind of just looking the other way at abuses, just like guys did, because it's a very practical reality of running a business Mm -hmm. and human nature being what it is, is that whether you're a man or a woman, you kind of just want to make money in the league to go along and tell the the employees who complain to shut up. Well, especially when this league is fledgling at best, like I could understand wanting to eh, almost cover something up because, you know, what do you want to be known for? Especially when this is like the inner workings of a car dealership, (laughs) you know, like it's not hard to, cover up right i don't mean cover up if it's something serious but to to not want it advertised like all right let's keep this quiet so that we can all kind of sacrifice and make this a league so that you know you can support yourselves type of thing i think so i just a picture like the girls on the courage or the pride or i don't know whatever hell else they are the empowerments whatever the england empowerments the vegans going to like the coach you have the male coach he's like hitting on you all the time which is really gross and you go to like the complain to the commissioner, and the commissioner's like, "Look, look, shut up, shut up, twit. <laughs> like, just, just, you want to keep your job? Just like, you know, is he is he grabbing you? Is he forcing you to do anything you want? No, no, he just like constantly harassing me, asking me on dates, checking out my tits or whatever. Like, she's like, listen, you don't know what I went through. <laughs> like, just go with, just go with it. I imagine the women are just become just like the men in those positions mm-hmm. because I think it's the reason men are like that is because of power, right? The power dynamic, and I think when women get that power dynamic, they just end up becoming the same a-holes that the guys were because it really is about what can I get away with? What can make my life easier? How can I make a buck? Do I have to deal with this 22-year-old college grad soccer player who I'm paying $11 an hour to be on the pride for? Like, really? I just want to have a cocktail, get back to my lesbian wife. <laughs> like, shut I'm just shut shocked up. that the coach would think that would fly, like that he wouldn't be immediately kind of reported as soon as anyone found out. Like you said, the team is probably at least half, you know, lesbian kind of socially justice type of people. I think you get away with it and it's nothing happens. You keep doing it. I don't know. I mean, I, you, you and I both know guys like that, a little bit like that. And I think they get away with it. I mean, I, me, look, the Me Too thing wasn't completely wrong. Let's be honest. 
Like, no. there are guys in power, the Weinsteins of the world. We know a lot of guys like Weinstein, or even less level down Weinstein guys who take advantage. The casting couch is a very real thing in Hollywood. So we know guys like that. So it needed to be set back a little bit. But I think when you guys or women get this thing where they can do whatever they want, then they're just going to keep doing it, right? And if the, the commissioner says, like, oh, you know, laughs, has a beer with him afterwards at the, the lesbian dive bar and just laughs about it. Oh, Tina's complaining again about you checking out her tits. Oh, she does have a nice rack. Like, you know, then, like, they're just going to keep doing it, right? Yeah. I mean, isn't there also the possibility this was just consensual and someone blew the whistle even though no one was being exploited? Well, there's a pa- it seems to be a pattern of many women complaining about the same behavior. Right. And then they all complained to the commissioner who then basically did nothing. So it was the women that were dating for whatever word I want to use that, the that coach. were involved with yes. the coach that were yes. complaining? And I right. think well, he, was ho- he was holding over the jobs over their heads or the fact, you know, I don't know, playing time, whatever the hell so- however right. soccer That's works. That's like specifically a thing you're not allowed to do. No. I just can't. No, it's like any company where a boss would give a promotion to a. I, I always tell this story. I had a friend. I have a friend. Many years and years ago, he worked in the corporate world, and he had three female employees working underneath him. And he started having sexual uh, sexual relations with one of them. They were both single. It wasn't like a you know, but it was his direct report, right? And he started having uh, you know sex with her for like six months or whatever it was. Then a job opening came up, a promotion. And he had to give it to one of the three, one of the three women. He was asked to like promote one of his three employees within the company, and he's like, his the girl he was having sex with said, "I think you know who's going to get this job, right?" And he's like, "Oh, he was like, I'm like, he was talking to me about like, what do I do? This is really bad, but like, but she and he's like, so he went with. He goes, don't worry, I figured it out. He goes, I just you know, I know it isn't right, but I gave it to her because I just don't want her to to blow the whistle on me, right? And he says, so I'm I'm, I'm in the clear now, right? I said. Well, yeah, until the other two women who you weren't having sex with find out that you, they didn't get promoted because you weren't having sex with them. He's like, oh, shit. And he went and found a lawyer. <laughs> All right, Matt, I want to ask you about uh, Andrew oh, Wiggins and the vaccine. You got an email from Owen. Uh, so are you a fan of Andrew Wiggins? Do you like his playing style? He kind of came on last year with the Warriors. He was the number no. one draft pick, I believe. Yeah, I've never been a fan. He was he was okay last year. He was actually good last year, but uh, you know he he doesn't seem to hustle or have no. any intensity. Uh, he doesn't seem to care about what he's doing. The consensus seems to be that he could be one of the best players in the league if he applied himself. His individual talent level is off the charts. Like he's a, he he will have a game where he takes over and just scores forty points, and then he'll have two games where he just completely disappears. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where he's just been the best for his whole life and was, you know, tall. Yep. He just was like, you're gonna, you got to play basketball. You're either going to play basketball or uh, run track. And it was easy for him. He dominated every level. Yeah. And he gets the NBA where even no matter how good you are, you have to, like, put the LeBron work in. You have to do, like, be the angry guy in the weight room and care about every single fucking game and cry every time you miss a shot or you're not going to be great. And I don't think he, ha- I don't think he has that. And so individually, he's a great player. He's probably one of those guys who would, like, win every one-on-one competition ever. But not a great player. But he is an anti-vaxxer, Matt. And I know that I don't know how you feel about anti-vaxxers. Um, I personally don't give a shit so much. Um, I think it, the group, the cohort of anti-vaxxers is more complicated than than Trump rednecks. Uh, in fact, it is a lot of black people, <laughs> a lot of black people and minorities who don't want to get vaxxed because they've come up with the cultural heritage of the government injects you with vaccines to try. And kill and kill and kill you. And by the way, they've done that before. They've done that before. Yeah, they've also given you a smallpox vaccine uh, that you need so that you don't die. 
and so you're allowed to attend school. Oh yeah, yeah. I, 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 I get, I get the logic argument of it, but I also think there you have to give some. I don't think you can like. I think you have to give some deference to the Black history of federal medical treatment in the country. Yeah, and and just being told you have to do anything. I mean, told you have to do anything, and also not trusting the government because basically, you know, the government also said like slavery was cool for a little while, and and Jim Crow was cool for a little while, and other things like that. So I can see like as a minority. You having much more having again, it's not a logical apprehension, but having a cultural apprehension to getting in line for a government shot. Have you read the Tuskegee reports? It's it's. I, I mean, I learned a lot. I read it like six months ago. Again, I was really. I didn't know it went on for forty. First, of all, I didn't know it went on for forty years. So they literally tracked. And this was, by the way, the C, it was the CDC. We call the CDC was in charge of it. So they literally tracked the guys for the guys who were dying slowly from from syphilis. Uh, for 40 years, and didn't tell him for 40 didn't tell him for 40 years. While they passed the syphilis, they told him they were cured of it. Right, that was the whole idea. They gave him the vaccine. They told him they were cured of syphilis, but they gave him placebos. And then they monitored what happened to them as they slowly decayed and or spread syphilis to other members of their family. That's pretty fucking evil. <laughs> That's pretty fucking evil, right? Yeah. And they didn't do it for like it wasn't like a project like let's do it in the 30s for a year. They did it until 1975. Right, it went on for 40 years until like a whistleblower came out from NIH or something like that, I said, does anyone know for 40 years we've been telling all these thousand guys that they didn't have syphilis? When they have syphilis, they gave it to their wives and their kids and died of brain, t- brain disease and stuff. And like, no, nobody knows. Like, it was, it was horrible. It was literally horrible. I could see that alone. There are other experiments being black and going like, what the fuck? Are you serious? Like, you, you came to our small town, you gave everyone injections, and then intentionally gave them wrong injections so you could follow them passing syphilis on to other family members and dying slowly from whatever syphilis causes. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But is that what's going on here? Probably not. And no, no, no. If you no. would just get the vaccine, I could go to a happy hour and not have a stupid mask on and everything would be fine. Well, I will argue with you on that because I think LA would still make you do a lot. We're at, <laughs> I think my, I checked my zip code. We're at 83% vaccination rate. And the other 70%, I assume at least half of them or more have had COVID already. There's almost no COVID going around this area, but we still have the vaccine card starts soon and we still have to wear masks everywhere and stuff like that. So I'm not sure. And the herd, I remember the herd mentality was like 60%. They used to say 60% or 65%. We're way past that. Right. We're still doing that. But I agree with you. But I, and, and by the way, I think still like 48% of black people still have been vaccinated. So it's like in mass. But I can see, especially guys who maybe came from less educated. I mean, I know he went to college, <laughs> Kentucky for a year. He's from Canada. Uh, he is from Canada, fuck Canada. Um, but I can see less educated people in that cultural heritage growing up being very hesitant, you know, hearing their great aunts talk about, like, what happened in Alabama, Mississippi. Like. I agree. But you know what I think, too, is that I noticed this. Um, there's basically two cities um, that require people attending the games, including the players, to be vaccinated. Yeah. And that's Brooklyn or Brooklyn and the Knicks and uh the uh, Warriors, right? Um, because they're in those cities, uh, and the only two people that I'm aware of refusing to get the vaccine are playing for those two cities. So it's like, are is there an attention gathering? Well, are they? Are those this? the only two? Or are those the only two we heard about because they're going to lose money? They're going to lose money. Well, every player would lose money if because they can't play in those games. Although that's not a big deal. So meaning, if they played against, like, if you're on the Atlanta Hawks, you're going to play a few games you can't play a year. But all your home games you'll be able to play. 
all right. the other team, you know, 75% of the games but you can But if you play. made the NBA Finals against the Nets, then you wouldn't be able to that play would, in half the pro- games. That would be a problem. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I oversimplified that. I, well, so Wiggins, Wiggins was a bit... The Lake, like, the Lakers claim they're going to be at 100% vaccination when the season starts. And I don't know if that's claims because they're getting people last minute right now. But clearly, so like Andrew Wiggins said, I'm not going to get vaccinated. They said, by the way, NBA said, we're not going to get involved, but whatever the local jurisdiction is on vaccinations, we're going to pull your salary for those games. So, and he played, Wiggins plays in San Francisco, which has all the vax, you must have vaccine to be indoors anywhere, whatever these events. So he's going to lose all his home games plus half of his away games. So like 75% of his salary. And he did the math and realized he's going to lose like $12 million. And all of a sudden realized... Yeah, I don't like it, but I'm going to get the vaccine because, fuck, I'm not going to lose $12 million over this. Yeah, let's not lose, yeah, $12 million over uh, a YouTube video that I watched. Right. But Kyrie Irving, on the other hand, who uh, I believe is semi-insane, <laughs> at least semi-emotionally emotionally troubled, if not mentally troubled. I, we still don't know where he disappeared to last year, do we? He disappeared, remember, for like 15 games, and the, the Nets said it was cool, and they were in touch with him, but they weren't really in touch with him, and he just kind of disappeared, and... He went to he went and bought George Floyd's family a house in Minnesota, then he went somewhere else and Yeah. He got paid like three hundred thousand dollars for all those games that he missed right as well. Right. He's a, he's kind of an entitled shithead. Yeah. But he also said he's not gonna get vaccinated and then he may lose half his salary. But I think he's the guy who will stick it out. I think he's the guy who doesn't care. He's like he's just he's like Kanye crazy enough that he'll lose ten million dollars just because he thinks God told him to or he thinks some message in his head tells him to. I think he's willing to do that. And that'll be a really interesting thing. Um, so I guess my question to you, the question Owen asked in the email was, there, is there any nobility to what they're doing? I think I have your answer. <laughs> I think I have your answer no. to that. The, there's, so maybe there are a few other players refusing, but I think most teams, everyone's fully vaccinated. Right. So these guys, I think they're like, well, it's going to be a really big deal if I don't do it. Wiggins relented. Like, could he have felt that strongly about it if he thought, you know, I'm part of some government experiment. Would you then do well, it if you really believed it? Here's the thing. Like, so we talked about just a minute ago, talk about how like black, culturally black people might be hesitant to get the vaccine. If the financial consequences to you are zero, then there's not a lot of incentive to overcome your, your cultural bias or the YouTube videos or whatever like that. When it's $12 million, I think the rate probably rises 99.99% of people get vaccinated. Yeah. Because no one's turning down 12, no one's turning down $12 million on principle of any principle. Right, pretty much. So, and well, the thing about Kyrie is that, uh, yeah, I don't think he's really emotionally stable. But let's say he he doesn't get vaccinated, he could recuperate a lot of that money just by going around being the counterculture pseudo Black Panther guy. You think so, but he, he's going to lose some brand deals, won't he? Lose brand deals and stuff if he's known as the anti-vaxer. I don't know. I don't. I think he's going to. Lo- I say he loses money. I don't think he. I mean, first of all, he has whatever two hundred million in the bank. So, and he's even getting paid a quarter of his salary. What is that? Ten million dollars this year. So he's okay. He's going. He's not going to skip any meals. I don't think they would keep him on the team and just let him play half. I'd be like, get the hell off the team. I don't know. The Nets are saying they're looking to. They might accommodate him, dude. He's uh, Kyrie Irving. If you're, if you're uh, Scalabrini <laughs> or someone down the bench, they're like, yeah, they're not putting up with that. If you're one of the top fifteen players in the league, an All Star. You're probably getting. I a think lot of he's games. pushed it far enough already. Yeah, with the uh, just leaving work, no show, no call. I guess, but he's really good play. He's a really good player. So, yeah, and people pay thousand dollars or fifteen dollars sit courtside and watch him play. 
and the TV contract stuff. I, I don't know. This is a crass. It's a crass business. So I was wondering the Warriors, like, if it was Steph Curry instead of Andrew Wiggins, what would have happened? Because Wiggins is a great player, you know, athletically skilled, but he is not a tier A player. So I wonder what, happen- what happens with Kyrie. That'll be interesting to see. So I, I know you are generally anti-establishment. The reason I ask this question is I know you're generally anti-establishment. So you would generally applaud any NBA player who, like, said, I'm not going to wear the Nike for the Nike deal or I'm not going to do this stupid showboat thing or I'm not going to do this so- stupid cause thing you're making me do or I hate kids with cancer, so I'm not doing the kids with cancer walkathon. I don't care what you make me do. I know you would kind of applaud that as anti-establishment, but you're not at the standing up for stand up anti-vaccine as anti-establishment. No, yeah, I'm not because it, it just I don't think it's dangerous, and uh, I, I've never heard either of them articulate why they aren't getting it. like. Oh, it's personal. It's like what. Well, Okay. Well, there, I'll say this again. I, you probably feel differently than I do. Uh, there was a guy, and it was a Miami Heat a black player, came out last week and said, "Look, I already had COVID, and I'm testing positive for all the antibodies, and I'm also 27 and healthy, so I don't see the need, to, you know, to get the vac- to get the vaccine." Yeah, that seems articulate and normal. Yeah, yeah. That was what I mean, <laughs> I, and that was like a big. He will eventually have to get the vaccine because they're going to probably stop him from playing too, and he's a second tier player. But, you know, it was like, it was, when you listen, you're like, okay, like, you know, that seems reasonable, at least. I still would like you to get vaccinated, but that seems reasonable, at least. I think those will be the bigger issues of how the NBA deals with that. Because then they're going to start looking like they're less reasonable by forcing this guy, very well-spoken, has thought it out, had his antibody test, is asking questions about, like, what the vaccine's actually going to, ch- how that's going to even change my antibody count, that kind of stuff. Then what do they do? Say, just shut up and take the. That's you know. not why Kyrie Irving doesn't want to do it. You know no, why no. he doesn't want to do it? It's because someone microchips, said you need chips or something. No, oh. it's because they said you should do this. It'd be, oh, good, it'd be yeah. good for you to do. Help because us the out. White, the white man's making him. <laughs> the white man's coming down and making him do no, it. No, it'd be good for the whole team of black guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be good for everyone. Just yeah. do it. Yeah, that's the reason he won't do it. Yeah, he is anti. But again, when I thought of this, I thought of you because that's you. <laughs> like that's you. I mean, again, you've cho- you, you've carved out like vaccine and other sensible uh, carve outs for your anti-establishment thing. But in general, when people tell you to do something, you're going to do the opposite, right? That's if I had thing. a loved one pass away and, yeah. and my whole family said we're all going to get matching tattoos to honor yeah. this person, I would hold out on that. Yeah, yes. I would say no. I saw that happen in a news story recently. <laughs> so yeah, there's plenty of things I would hold out on. And Matt, for our final topic today, I want to talk about uh, something near and dear to your heart, which is prostitution. Uh, so I've been reading – I don't know how you read language. You're a big person on language, I know, too. So I've noticed when language changes in the culture, in the media, whether it be Latinx or however you pronounce that fucking thing or the fact that, like, you know, the uh, ACLU changed Ruth Bader Ginsburg's quote to take the word woman out of it when it talked about abortion and put pe- birthing people where the fuck they did. It's hard not to notice those more obvious ones. Um, where there's just there's an act, some activist cause trans you know trans people don't want them to be called trans they want them to be called women and you know not trans athletes but just female athletes and there's a whole dynamic to the activist cause and I do think words language is very powerful I don't think the Latinx thing took off because Latin people seem to hate it <laughs> but only the LA Times and New York Times seem to be using it um, not, like only non Hispanic people seem to be using it which must be incredibly annoying for actually Hispanic people. But there's definitely a, like a power in la- in the language, in word choices and language. And if you control that, you definitely do shape the debate quite a bit. So I've noticed in the last year or two, I think it started with Robert Kraft. When Robert Kraft got busted for like having a rub and tug, he was like a 78-year-old widower 
who you know vacations in Florida. His wife, he was married for like fifty years. His wife is dead for three years. He goes to get a fucking hand job, which I think you and I agreed before. Who gives a fuck, right? Yeah. And they started referring to it as a sex trafficking case, as a sex trafficking case. And all of a sudden, you start seeing like instead of the word like LAPD or NYPD would do a sting. It wasn't a prostitution sting anymore. It was a sex trafficking sting. And I don't know where you come from, but when I come from, sex trafficking was like forty Thai women in 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 a, in a, in a cargo in a cargo container, underage girls being shipped from like to, from Myanmar, Myanmar, whatever the fucking country is, Burundi, uh, to service like sheiks in, in in Kuwait, right? That's what I always thought sex trafficking was, was like, literally putting shipping twelve year old girls in shipping containers with two days worth of food when it was an eight day trip to shit on each other and end up in Kuwait and be be hosed off and, and fed to some gross dudes in Kuwait or the U.S. for that matter. But apparently now, every time there's a prostitution case, it's called sex trafficking. And I can't help but think that that is, A, going to just increase police budgets to, st- to stop prostitution, enable 15 guys with spy cameras to watch Robert Kraft get a, get a hand job under the guise of sex trafficking, and change the dynamic of how bad the crime is. Because there was a big story today in Ohio. They said 51 men arrested in sex trafficking sting. I thought, oh my God, they're like, they're going to the ports. They're bringing women in. They're bringing in women from Guatemala and tying them up. No. It was like another Craigslist ad for prostitution services and guys arrested for being John for being Johns trying to hook up with the, you know, pay the women for sex. And that was just, and by the way, they arrested 180. They only ended up charging 51, but it mentioned the other 130 got stern warnings. <laughs> like, okay, like, like, like they were, we're giving stern warnings. Okay, like, okay, like that's going to stop them. So when did prostitution become sex trafficking? And is it like, are we doing that with everything, like to make it sound much worse than it possibly is? Uh, by the way, I, I thought the feminist position was sex traffickers were able-bodied women making a trade, applying a trade with you know, their own empowerment. You um, mean prostitutes? Yeah, prostitutes. I mean, sorry. And th- it was like it was not necessarily noble, but it was something that we should encourage. And women, they have rights, and they have they have agents agency over their bodies, and they can do what they want. But somehow now it's also sex trafficking. Have you noticed like this upping of the language? We talked about earlier, sexual assault, like verbal, calling someone a bitch being sexual assault. Now this is called sex trafficking because you go, went to a motel because on back page, some woman said 50 bucks for, 50 bucks for a blowjob. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, the law enforcement agencies seem to do that with everything, right? They Even yes. something like narcotics, they yeah. say, which makes it sound, it just has a scarier connotation. Than versus weed. Weed. <laughs> yes. Or marijuana. Yeah, yeah. Even marijuana is a made-up word, but cannabis. Right. Um yeah, I, I mean, a lot of it, I think, goes into like increasing their budgets, like you said, and allowing them to parade around with their tattoos and guns out. Uh, because, yeah, I would want someone to catch sex traffickers. Yes. It's uh, like the situations you described are terrible. And I was wondering recently, not enough to actually look into it, and I don't know if there's any stats, but how common is it? If you uh, were in kind of a coastal port city, so let's just say if you're in uh, Denver, and you go to a massage parlor and get a hand job. What are the odds that that person is sex trafficked versus they just have a shitty job? Uh, I probably picked the wrong example because uh, you know I think the massage, the Asian massage parlors, I assume are all sex trafficked. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> so, do too. I assume that they're all like sex trafficked. Whereas I think like the woman putting up like back a back page ad for 150 bucks for whatever Hummer in the hotel. It's probably just a, a drug addict. <laughs> Your normal, normal, nice domestic drug addict, drug addict who needs a fix. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, but there's a huge difference. And I have noticed yes. that now 
every yeah like every prostitution thing is is sex trafficking and so yeah i mean what percentage of just sex workers are trafficked versus just yeah drug well, so, so someone in the i read about the story about the big sex trafficking ring bus ring and it's also a ring but it's the word ring like robert crafts in a sex trafficking ring because he ran to a guy named Fred at the at the, at the strip mall who he knew right. who's also getting a hand job, another retiree getting a hand job. Their sex trafficking ring um, was someone. A reporter actually asked, like, "Well, sex trafficking, like, were, were these women, were these women from overseas? Were they brought in? Were they were their passports taken? Were their you know stuff like that?" And no, the answer was no to any of that. So, but to back it up, then the the police, the law enforcement agency said, "Well, look, these you don't know if these women are being threatened by pimps." They're being, you know, their their lives could be in danger. You just think you're having sex with a woman, but they could be answering to a guy who's like forcing them or threatening them. And stuff. Like that. And by the way, I'm sure some of that goes on. I've seen I've seen the Deuce. I've seen the show The Deuce. I know how pimps work. Um, so I assume some of that goes on. But they backtracked into like this like coercion that it's not. They weren't brought in container ships from some third world country. They are just Ohio State girl, just girls from Ohio State. But you don't know. They could easily, could easily have, we don't know, but they could easily have a pimp who has a knife who threatens to cut them if they don't service their johns or something like that. So completely speculative, completely walked back, and yet they're still trying to frame it as this like coercive kidnapping. Well, they like going into these places. In many places, most actually, they have special laws exempting them. They're allowed to get these services. Yes, of course. Uh, because they're undercover and they yeah. need to know what's going on. Yeah. That's why. Like in these cop movies, when they're always in strip clubs, that's yes. because that's kind of how that shit works. You know, yep. they like doing this stuff. And when it's sex, uh, like, okay, yeah, it could be human trafficking, but do we know that the guy working 18 hours at the Thai restaurant wasn't trafficked and that he's paying off a trafficker? Yeah. And, uh, you know, the nobody, s- nobody gives a shit about the bus. The sex here. thing yeah. gets the, the headlines and yep. allows them to keep uh, infringing on people's civil rights so they can have their little bus, which gets them headlines. And uh, meanwhile, police brutality, the incarceration rate goes up uh, <clears throat> where crime, if anything, is going down. Well, I think you see that with you see that with like so we in a way it's weird because in a way socially we become a very more libertarian country. So a lot of shit like Oregon. I mean, we go to Oregon and get like in mushrooms and meth and heroin for legally. Right. We've come a long way in a lot of places, not in all, every state. There's still some regressive states, but progressively, and there's like what legal weed now in 27 states, soon to be whatever. There's legal betting in 37 states. We're becoming much more of an openly licentious vice vice legal country, and I think that does threaten law enforcement, right? Because there's all these like is an industrial complex set up around busting people for this. I I read all libertarian magazines, so the forfeiture, the asset forfeiture, all this other stuff that is based around like narcotics dealers, and now we got to take their house and auction off, or their cars and auction off, and we keep the money, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, But when all this stuff becomes semi-legal, or when feminist groups are saying sex work should be legal, and these women have their own agency, that becomes a real threat to certain people, right? That becomes a threat to their career, their livelihood, their their means of income, essentially, and the department funding, all the stuff like that. And their hero complex as well. And their hero complex. Although I, I, I have to imagine most vice cops are just gross dudes. <laughs> You're like, don't mind eight, eight hours watching Robert Kraft try to ejaculate with a, with a tough Thai woman tugging him over and over again. So Yeah. But a lot of them are ex-military guys that uh, wear Oakleys and you know watch <laughs> MMA and stuff. Not the st- not the stereotype. Hey, I like I don't have Oakleys. I love MMA. But yeah, I, I just think I think we're going to see a lot a warning to people. I think we're going to see a lot more of this hyping up of what the crime is, or even like I do think there's a fentanyl epidemic and stuff like that. But I think a lot of it is 
it's hard to know what's true because I also think there's a lot of uh, people who whose livelihood are based on the fact there's a drug scare, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that there needs to be drugs need to be stopped, all this other stuff. Or prostitution is now sex trafficking. An Ohio State girl's having sex with Johns in Cincinnati is now a sex trafficking thing. We got to up it. That way we can get our budget and we can talk about it and yell about it, even though we're becoming a much more progressively open, legalized society with all this stuff. So, Matt, if, I'm just saying, if you get caught up in a sex trafficking sting... I'll be your first to defend. Say it was just prostitution. <laughs> it was just and, and and by the way, they haven't changed. The laws haven't changed, so they can't really. The people aren't getting more. They still got busted for being Johns and stuff like that. And the other guys got stern warnings. The other guys got like, you know, a night in jail and the you know whatever the six hundred dollar fine or four hundred dollar fine. So they actually haven't. They're not charging them with actual felony sex trafficking. They're still just charging them as hiring a prostitute because those laws haven't changed. They're just changing the language. <laughs> Matt, you have something you wish to pip and promote? What are you selling? You're selling murder? Are you selling murder still? Uh, yeah, I got a few things going on, but the murder, uh, what's it called? Death Row Diaries podcast, if you subscribe to that. That's uh, true stories from Death Row. I get the insider perspective from a guy who's currently on Death Row. I, I call him. Yeah, and, uh, your, buddy, your buddy. Are you friend? Are you best friends? I don't know. Are you, got, are you pen pal? Are you pen pals with a death row inmate? I got to get a little more info on how he ended up on death row. Are you going to talk to the uh, who are the two brothers who killed their parents with the shotguns? Menendez. <laughs> are you going to talk to the Menendez brothers? That would be cool. Don't they get like marriage proposals? Like they constantly get marriage proposals. <laughs> Anyone that kills their parents, I just assume it was on the parents. Oh uh, yeah. I think it should almost be legal. Uh, yeah, it, actually, I, I, I should put you in touch with this guy. There's a guy where I grew up, and I didn't know him personally, but he was in my neighborhood, and he killed his parents because. They told me he couldn't see his girlfriend, and they were cutting him off financially. I mean, I don't know what the hell it was. It wasn't a lot, but he took a wrench to his parents and, and killed them. Tried to get away with it. He had set up an alibi, but eventually got caught. But he killed both. He was like maybe 19 or 20, killed both his parents. So, But he was not beloved in the area, as it turned out. I'm sure his parents were jerks in some other way. Yeah, but, I guess if you're doing it for uh, the bank account, that's a different yeah. story. If your parents molested you, I guess, as a Menendez or whatever the hell they did. And you're just warp Princeton, Princeton, Princeton grads who have some time off and, and own some shotguns. You might just want to kill you. I just want to kill your parents. So they killed the mom, by the way, which really bothered me. The dad, I'm sure, was a huge a-hole and among other things. But they kind of just killed the mom who was like, yeah, she was the enabler. She was like the Jerry Sandusky wife. Right. But she didn't probably do anything herself other than being the scared, meek wife woman. They went ahead and shot her anyhow with a shotgun. Anyhow. So there was, there was a lot of overall rage in the boy going through going through the boys. I mean when you're planning something like that, I don't know a lot about the case, but I think it was pretty elaborate that they planned it. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't you just plan to move? Like run away from your house <laughs> yeah. and live somewhere? Well no, they were they were older. I mean they were one was a one was in college and one had they were like nineteen and twenty one maybe. Oh yeah, just don't go home. Yeah. Well that's what I'm saying. It was a rage it wasn't a self I think they claimed self defense or some weird thing. Hmm. But it wasn't like yeah I'm a six year old or a twelve year old and I can't defend myself. It was we just fucking hate these people want to kill them. Including the mom by the way, who I'm sure was a nightmare, but wasn't really a threat to, wasn't really a threat to them. So they it was definitely a rage. And also it was a thing with like Remember the, the the Boston Marathon bomber? There was the older brother who was really angry, who wanted to kill everybody, and he got the younger brother involved and got him hyped to go help him do it, which is really a shitty thing to do, by the way. This is Lex, last word. Talk to you next week. Five to two and the whistle's blown. A fire still burns in.